0: This is the Line Weights Over Coffee podcast episode 3. Hi everyone, this is Azhar and today's episode is photography. It's going to be a great episode. We're going to go over multiple tips and techniques that you can use to improve your photography, specifically architecture photography, right? I mean, we're architects, architecture students. We love taking photos, whether it's our cell phone or fancy DSLR or old school film camera, whatever you may have. So go ahead, dig it out, get it ready, because you're going to learn some wonderful tips from our guest, Arietta Attali, as we talk line weights over coffee right after this. This show is brought to you by Budget Buoy. I got to try this app three months before its public launch, and let me tell you, it has been the only app that has helped me save money. The app changes your perspective on how you view your budgets and actually helps you make better decisions. So if you need to save money on groceries or stay within budget for a studio project, this app is for you. Again, that app is Budget Buoy. that's B-U-O-Y, and you can try it for free. It will be on Apple and Android later this month. Hey guys, do you want to learn how to use Photoshop to make those renderings come to life, or how to use Illustrator to create great plans, sections, and diagrams, and then put it all together to make those well-organized posters with InDesign? Well, we have a great course called Adobe for Architects that you can have for free, with no extra cost to you when you purchase an Adobe CC subscription through our website at lineweights.coffee. So we get a commission from each purchase which helps support this show. And as a thank you, we'd like to give you the course for free. So go to our website at lineweights.coffee and click on Adobe to find out more. Thank you. Today, my guest is Arietta Tali. She is the adjunct professor of architectural photography at Columbia University, but she has taught all over the world in Denmark, Brazil, Chile, England, Australia, Japan, and more. So she's been teaching architectural photography for a while. She's been doing architectural photography for over 20 years, 30 years, wow. And so I'm joining her today. We're in Place de Vosges in Paris, and we're here to talk about. Architecture photography for students. What is it that she's trying to convey to the student community in architecture? Why photography is important to them? How could it help them be better designers, help them in studio? And, you know, just just to learn more about this art of photography and how it and architecture are intertwined. So welcome to the program, area. So very happy to have you.
1: Thank you very much for uh, this uh, challenge this morning. <laughs> Thank
0: you. So tell us a little bit, Arietta. This is a type of job that you have that n- no one can really study for. You kind of like stumble upon it. Could you tell a- us a little bit about how you came about being an architectural architect- photographer? Yes.
1: Uh, so I initiated my um, uh, my career as an archaeological photographer. Uh, even though since my uh, undergrad years, I was a landscape into landscape photography. And then i switched of course as a professional uh, into archaeological uh, which gradually led me to start looking at architecture of course historic and remains of buildings uh, antiquities uh, where at some point after being involved with archaeological photography for 13 years i got an invitation to photograph contemporary buildings, mm-hmm. where initially I, I said it's impossible. I can't really do that because I don't know. But then um, my uh, background as a landscape photographer uh, helped very much actually, I and see. I made the first uh, really initiation uh, almost uh, over 20 years ago.
0: I see. So that's really interesting. You're saying that you were photographing these buildings that were, I mean you know a thousand two thousand years old and then you're looking at these buildings with your eye and how they're set in their surroundings whatever is remaining of them and now you're photographing you're doing the exactly exact same that's things. what
1: you say they're remaining so uh, for me that was really an incredible experience uh, which I transferred into my architectural photography practice which is uh, the relation of content and context mm-hmm. uh, so and this is really uh, part of my uh, ongoing investigation research in architectural photography mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, the inversion of content and context in architectural photography and that's what I'm trying also to communicate with my students about that uh, when we photograph architecture is not to isolate the object mm-hmm. to look at architecture as an object but as a part of the landscape either it's uh, cityscape or natural uh, landscape, but it's this relation of the content with its context.
0: So what you're trying to say is that when you're looking at a building, you are automatically associating it with the context, even though the architect may not have intended that. You, you're assuming that, or is that something No, uh, that...
1: It's not that I'm assuming that. It's like um, you design in relation to a certain spot where you are asked to design mm-hmm. on in a certain... Geography, weather condition, landscape setup. So it's not that you are designing in isolation without using as a reference the place where you are supposed to build. So, and how do you finally present this as a photographer? You have the responsibility somehow because otherwise it's like photographing a placeless place. place. Mm-hmm. So that architecture has no place, that architecture is an object and it's actually a detail of the landscape where you just extract from its uh, reality, the reality, its landscape, the context, mm-hmm. and then you present it. So it could be actually anywhere. So the See. pictures show uh, a building where it could be anywhere. We have no idea what is the context. If it's, uh, uh, if it's Paris, if it's London, if it's uh, Cape Town, we don't know. Uh, we just read that it is there. But what is the situation around the building? And also the environmental elements, and then the weather details, the light, the how the light uh, filters architecture, mm-hmm. how the diffused light affects the reading and the experience um, of architecture. But how can we photograph this experience actually? Because we bring all these responsibilities as photographers, even if our uh, purpose is documentation. Mm-hmm. Still, we are dependent on some factors, and the light is number one, actually.
0: I see. So, could you, could you talk a little more about that on, on light? Because when, when we generally think of context in architecture school, we may be thinking of what is the urban condition, what is the history of the place, how can we relate to that to some degree? Sure, it's, it's,
1: but right. the place is about its light as well. How can you show Paris when most of the year, almost around the year, it's uh, cloudy, it's rainy? How would you photograph architecture under, under this weather condition? And, and how architecture... And its context will appear uh, with a diffused light, for example. Mm -hmm. And it's very different if you photograph in Sydney, where no matter if it rains or if it's cloudy, it lasts some moments. And most of the time it has this amazing light, uh, which is breathtaking and it's so fascinating that, you know, architecture, the materials used for making the architecture is absolutely a different sensation. So how... As photographers we present these qualities actually, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's not just to, to rationalize the process and say okay I'll make a frontal picture, mm-hmm. uh, I'll make uh, this angle and that angle etc and I'll cover all the possible uh, views that an architect might may need or will need or uh, the photographer thinks is the best. Mm-hmm. And it's not about the picturesque, it's about we bring a responsibility uh, to present what is the experience of architecture and not only movies can do that film but mm-hmm. also photography can do mm-hmm. uh, it depends on the photographer uh, and its approach towards the building and its environment
0: I see that's pretty and that's
1: what I'm trying to teach to my students and the result is actually very very interesting um, because they expect something else and finally they cope with uh, different issues using photography as a tool to understand architecture and the city and the natural landscape around architecture.
0: Interesting. So, so let's go into that. Let's go into the student's uh, perspective. So I'm a student. I see that there's an architecture photography course. I sign up for it. So generally, I'm not sure what I'm really signing up for. I am think in my mind, because I've never taken a course like this, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to learn how to take great photos of buildings but yeah it, that's
1: typical of course right but what is it really for me for my own class because uh, all of us teach differently and communicate with our profession and we communicate this with the students through our own practice actually right uh, it's related at least uh, not necessarily but it is related uh, in my case I try to um, of course they arrive to the class thinking they will make fantastic photographs uh, like super blue skies and you know this ideal picturesque uh, etc etc so it's a kind of um, you know from the introduction class I say okay guys you know how about we forget all this Mm -hmm. Um, you can photograph with whatever you want Mm -hmm. a toy camera your iPhone your iPad whatever you like as long as you use photography as a tool to dive into architectural practice, architectural theory, and understanding, for example, what is transparency in architecture? You understand what is transparency, materiality, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's answer is yes. Okay, show it to me photographically. I
0: see. So
1: it's a kind of, you know, unfolding architectural theory um, somehow and... For me the very important piece um, which I love very much uh, it's the anti-object of Kengo Kuma and uh, the erasure of architecture mm-hmm. and uh, so you know uh, for me it was a major body of work for many years uh, this idea of uh, erasure of architecture um, so how can we succeed in doing th- this photographically actually I so, and then also narrative based approach uh, how uh, we could move from the periphery of the city towards the center of the city as a kind of a journey. But what kind of journey? Visual, of course, but unfolding the architectural layers. And this unfolding process of the architectural layers uh, can involve each student differently. They can work individually or with, into groups um, and have in parallel theoretical approach plus uh, visual um so yeah there are many ways to communicate that and then creating uh, a book Mm -hmm. about this narrative based approach Mm -hmm. which has nothing to do with the iconic um kind of photography with a great blue sky and you know where everything is perfect etc because this is made doesn't exist in reality correct It's, it's absolutely made you know it's uh, architecture is for living architecture is for experience is made for us to experience and live with so how can we really present that or any other way that we are thinking around architecture
0: mm-hmm. i found that interesting you said choosing words like materiality or transparency and then you asked your students how can you show me that through photography
1: yeah.
0: you know that's so i'm thinking you know, if I was a student and I had a studio project and those were two of my key words, like in my design project, I want to incorporate transparency and materiality. I can use photography as a tool, like going out on the streets and taking photographs and trying to identify those elements, materiality. And And many other elements, of course. Yeah. And then I guess through photographs, see what makes it transparent or what makes the materiality, you know. It's like
1: really digesting, understanding What is that we are learning in architecture? How can we communicate this also visually? It's like a visual translation Mm -hmm. of um, uh, architectural theory, and not only. uh, Also for studio is very important. You know, especially for my students, uh, for their studio is photography is a very useful tool. Not as a documentation tool. I'm not talking about documentation. Anybody can do really documentation. You need some basics. I could teach in one day how to document. Uh, in the best possible way, architecture. Okay. Yeah, okay, that's like one day teaching. Okay. Because you already do, you already deal with students who are who are having a certain level of education. Mm-hmm. So even if it's with undergrads, uh, or graduate students, or PhD students, because I have a wide range of uh, backgrounds also teaching at Columbia, but also in other places in the world, Mm -hmm. you can imagine all this variety of backgrounds. Right, exactly. It's like uh, incredible. That's why my class is tailor-made, so that I'm one-to-one with each student, Mm -hmm. of course, having running general sessions, but one-to-one, which makes it tailor-made because we can't adjust everything for the whole group because they all come from different backgrounds. Exactly,
0: and each one sees it differently. Uh, Totally. Right. So you did mention once, you, you said something about design intent, like you want photographs to have intent. Can you talk about that a little bit for a student? Because like, we live in a culture today where we photograph everything. You, know, you can easily pull out your phone and just snap, snap, snap. And the, the, the question is, when, when you're talking about design intent, I'm thinking, okay, take a moment, pause. Really Absolutely. think about what you're taking a photograph, what, is, what are you you're trying to convey? What is this intent? What is that mean? So,
1: yeah. let's start the other way around. So, most of the students arrive to me and say, you know, I really worked very hard today. I made uh, like over 500 photographs. And my reply is, this is not that you have worked hard. This is just that you were clicking without thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Because... You deal with photography automatically, you start clicking around thinking that you, re- you have really worked hard. But working hard is not about how many clicks you have made, it's about how much time you have spent to make this one click. So I ask them to reduce as much as possible mm-hmm. the amount of photographs they produce uh, in each session when they are out to work in a way, as they call it, work. Hard, hard work mm-hmm. so I asked them to bring five photographs for example
0: five okay, that's or three
1: or ten mm-hmm. so it's a it's a real battle for them to do that
0: yes I think in for our culture I think it's, it's very exactly difficult to reduce like slow it to down ten. and
1: right. take it easy and look at every picture uh, actually look at every frame before you click to make a picture uh, so uh, there is no point to spend days then editing these photographs instead spend time thinking why am i doing it Mm -hmm. what is that i'm looking for and why am i clicking this now why why is that i i'm interested to frame this and freeze this moment or the several moments so that i create a photo story actually
0: okay could you give us an example perhaps of um, you behind the camera what you're looking at something that you're looking for is it all intuitive sometimes is it a specific aspect you're trying to capture yeah
1: it's of course intuitive of course this is part of it it's part of a creative process Mm -hmm. it's we can't rationalize everything as um, you know as you can imagine Uh, uh, for me a main body of work that I recently published uh, was uh, on the glass house uh, glass wood house of Kengokuma in in Connecticut, mm-hmm. New Canaan, yes. which uh, I finally managed to uh, publish together with Kanz Verlag in Berlin. So it was a specific study, actually a study on a certain uh, uh, house, glass house and extension. For the period of uh, two years I was, I had to visit multiple times the site and photograph it uh, in different seasons the seasonal transitions and what is the experience of the architecture within this because it's a glass building, mm-hmm. all right? So you are inside, but actually you are outside. Right. So I I would photograph architecture uh, as a filter, and in terms of being outside and inside, but how you establish re-establish these uh, uh, relations, Yeah, and then. What is the experience of the space when you are in that house, and that glass house, when nature is changing? It's right. a gradual change, Is a seasonal change, yet what is the experience of, of architecture in relation to the, to the environment? So that was a study which took around two years to photograph multiple visits. I was reading the anti-object of Kengo Kuma and try also to see, from my own perspective as a photographer, how do I communicate with his theory, but also my photographic approach. So the result um, is a book of uh, around 100 and, uh, uh, over 130 pages, uh, which is only focusing around the extension, and the extension of a house designed by Kengo Kuma. And it's a re- rare example, actually, of uh, studying the materiality, the experience. It's a narrative-based, mm-hmm. and it's seasonal, uh, but not in terms of aesthetic seasonal. Like how to beautify architecture is not about this it's about how we understand how we experience architecture within these transitions because how can you otherwise photograph this house which is the right way to photograph and Mm -hmm. present it to the world imagine you are a photographer and you are commissioned to photograph that specific project so what do you do you go uh, in the springtime where the light is fantastic or in the fall and you make a series of uh, let's say 15-20 photographs or 10 photographs or 5 photographs and you present them to the world. Is this a reality? Is this related to what that place is about? Of mm-hmm. course not. No. So how do you capture that and how do you communicate with that and how do you present it to the world? Right. And that's a, that is what part of the responsibility we bring as photographers.
0: So as a photographer, then you had the opportunity to go there multiple seasons and, and yeah, inside Yeah, I and created the opportunity. I,
1: I made the opportunity. It's not that it's a given.
0: You know what I mean? You convince them that exactly we have to view this building in totally. all its conditions.
1: It's it's up to the photographer. We bring the responsibility. Where most of us care about the f- the best sunset photograph, mm-hmm. or the best sunrise, or the best of the best. Um, Uh, that's not my philosophy when I'm photographing absolutely I'm the opposite of the iconic and um, I I search that's my um, line as a photographer and we don't have all to agree for the same line of course Mm -hmm. and that's the greatness about it
0: so what I find interesting is you're saying this is, of course, your interpretation yeah. of it. and it
1: is your interpretation, actually. It's
0: and so even for us students, when we go out and we're taking photos, it's, it's Absolutely. basically our interpretation. So what I'm trying to understand, what might be really interesting, is since a lot of us who photograph the buildings may never get the opportunity to meet the architect, but you get to meet the architect, do you ever find a situation where your interpretation reveals something that the architect had not thought about and yeah, says, oh no. I had no idea that it behaved this way no it doesn't or... it
1: doesn't uh, it's that's not the case really uh, I see what I receive which is very beautiful and uh, satisfying for me is that the architect comes back to me with a great surprise uh, saying that I I managed to reveal and extract the initial idea of the architect when the architect was in the first initial design process of the project so I managed that I extract that moment of the architect and that's really very touching because then there is this very strong communication with the architect Um, and from that moment on it's a kind of a relation establishment which goes on for many years and that's the way I work with my architects Um, long-lasting relations of work Um, and with Kengo Kuma for example we work together for 16 years and with other architects I work for twenty years, for fifteen years, for you know—that's
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah,
1: uh, and it's because my the way I photograph architecture is not the easiest possible, understandable uh, approach mm-hmm. uh, from the majority, because it's a very um, peculiar in a way.
0: So I'm sure even as the architects, they enjoy your interpretation of
1: Yeah, yeah, because it's another way of approaching um, their work, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's um, appreciated and i'm happy that it's appreciated because it could have been not appreciated right exactly so it's, uh...
0: so coming back to the students you you mentioned that oh they can even use their cell phone and go out and yeah. take photos now when people generally think of photography and think of good photos they think oh i need a great camera I need a camera that ha- can have certain depth of field, a very low aperture. Should I get a fixed length versus this? Uh, yeah, sure. You know, and all these. I questions mean, they ask me.
1: With people yeah. come students and all kinds of people come to ask me what kind of camera shall I use and what is the best. My answer is go for uh, whatever you want. Just like I use four by five
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, or ten by twelve centimeters large format camera. So it's absolutely different process of making photography. It's very slow, it's so slow that I may need a couple of hours to make one picture. Um, and there is no point for me to ask my students or others, like use um, a very good camera or, you know, what's the point where nowadays we capture everything through our iPhone. Right. Uh, you know, and it would be a lie. Um, and I don't want to play this theater with my students. Like, please use a camera, don't use your iPhone. Where I know many times they create images with iPhone and then I somehow force them to tell me uh, that they have used the camera. No, I don't want to do this with them. So I I allow them absolute freedom. I give them the absolute freedom to use whatever is the most convenient for them. Or it's not about the convenience, it's that what is the reality of their everyday life. It's the iPhone, right? So they travel around, they exist with that. And if they want to move later on with the camera and the tripod, yes, why not? But the fact that they don't have a camera shouldn't stop them by learning how to use photography as a tool and uh, communicate with architecture differently.
0: So you're saying it's more important to train your eye. Yeah and not
1: the ways of seeing, looking, framing, framing architecture that's
0: not dependent on how expensive or the quality of your camera
1: no 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 it's understanding architecture using photography uh, instead of course as uh, when you are a practicing photographer you need uh, very good uh, cameras that's another thing because we make our living and we practice this is our uh, profession so it's a different relation yeah
0: Correct. So, again, when it comes to teaching, you know, if anyone Googles online, you know, how to take better photos, they're generally given something like, oh, use the rule I wouldn't suggest
1: that. No, I wouldn't. Right? And the- what is the concept? Why do you make this picture for? It's like, what is the intention behind making this photograph or these photographs? Because I'm talking about narrative-based photo story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of course, I try to train them because you can make a photo story with whatever kind of photography quality of photography and I don't want them to make whatever you know I'm not I'm against whatever you know with this so uh, of course I train them how to make better photographs but I try to make them get involved into their subject or into whatever they have chosen to do so to make them get more involved this way because if it becomes something yours personal then and you have the appetite to get into it more and more and this way you start getting into researching reading not only about architecture but then you start looking at f- other photographers work mm. reading about photography visiting photography exhibitions so also in new york we have this great opportunity to visit the museums and galleries mm-hmm. uh, so to see all kinds of different approaches even in a uh, Uh, Journalism and in uh, fashion photography, it doesn't matter.
0: Interesting. So this is my takeaway that I'm getting from our conversation. This is what I'm learning. I'm learning that generally when I go somewhere or I go to a new building or something, I don't necessarily have in the back of my mind a certain intent for my photos. I'm just, I see an interesting space and I feel like, oh, I should take out my camera and take a photo. This is a really cool photo. But what you're saying right now is, is I'm going to try this now, is before perhaps even before I I leave my house and go to that place, I have a certain intent in my mind. What am I trying to capture? What are the qualities of the space? Whether I'm concentrating on light or materiality Mm -hmm. or the way different spaces interact or how people move through the space or just focusing on shadows, for example, because that's something I read the architect was interested in. And then go to the space and for each frame that I take, really think about those aspects. Instead of just going there blind and thinking, oh, let's have it, because because when you're in studio, you generally have a trip somewhere, you know, to your site or which is either in town or somewhere else. But you usually, you're there in person, and most of the time, we're students. We take a lot of photos because you know we need those photos, of course, for renderings and things like that. But also just to explain it to your jurors what the context was and so on. But I've never thought about it in this sense: is to like really learn about. The space from your photos and yeah. use that.
1: Yeah, so yeah, and also that. filtering all this process of of consuming because you produce, produce, produce images, mm-hmm. but at the end, the majority of this production, uh, you know, at the end, you extract, you 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 you, tr- you delete the majority then of this material afterwards because you realize uh, it was just a, a quick approach, mm-hmm. um, knowing in advance that you will use only two, three photographs from this. Yeah, and you may never look on them N- again. Exactly, right. never, exactly. Right. Yeah, so it's like a waste of uh, energy, waste of time, uh, you know, anyway.
0: So I think that's, that's really interesting. So it, I think it is a big challenge for us, our generation, to slow our mind down, slow ourselves down and not just snap and take a photo because it is so easy. Yeah. But rather just to have a thought process behind it. So that's really interesting. Yeah. So, Arietta, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much as well. So if you're listening to this and you're interested in Arietta's work, we're going to have all the links below to her website, to her works, and you can always find out more on our blog at lineweights.coffee. Arietta, thank you Thank
1: you. Thank you very much.
0: Alright, guys, that brings us to the end of our episode. I hope you guys learned a lot about Arietta. And if you want to know more about her and her work, you can find more in the show notes of this episode at lineweights.coffee. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And stay tuned for next week where we interview a young architect from New York City about the career path. It's a really exciting episode and really one you should not miss. So see you guys next week. Take care.